0: the Sun Here comes the sun, and I
1: say, it's all right.
2: hello everyone and welcome to the sustainable living show on WmNF Tampa 88.5 where every Monday at 11 we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues your hosts today are myself Kenny Coogan and the ever-present, Annie Ellis.
3: ever I think you meant to
2: say. <laughs> no, you're, you're you're always here.
3: <laughs> well, I'm not always, but I am here a lot. <laughs> it's good to see
2: you, Kenny. Good to see you. And Irene is answering your calls. And Mr. Bill Grace is off this week. Apparently, that's a thing volunteers can do.
3: <laughs> oh, they didn't let us know that, did they? <laughs> and uh,
2: Greg is our wonderful substitute. And we're
3: so happy to see him.
2: And uh, Annie, you have any exciting... Uh, uh, well, news from the
3: past week. I gotta say, this weekend I almost killed myself just doing all the work I did. I couldn't believe it. I'm like an old person and I'm out there working like a Dickens in this weather, which was, uh, you know, but my, of course, my yard is fairly shaded because of all the trees that I planted, which is awfully nice. And, uh, but we cleared, I mean, I have like, it's so thick with with, uh, you know, amazing amount of green waste that I have to throw away, by the way, y'all, because it's so much, I can't manage it in my yard and such. So, but it's all out there and uh, lots of, I've put lots of free stuff out there, gingers and um, uh, cassava. I finally pulled my cassava up after two years and I expected it to be a huge amount of stuff. Oh, it was like six potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) I was so mad. Uh, Not really mad, but, you know, very disappointing because quite honestly, I mean, the first year, I pulled them up after a year, and I was like, "There's nothing here." So I reburied it, and I thought, "Well, I'll wait for two times, and then I'll just have a massive amount like you see on television." Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, I was really careful about loosely opening it up so I wouldn't <laughs> smash them and stuff. But no, it was—I mean, I did get a few. I mean, you know, but it was not what I expected at all. No bumper crop. No bumper crop. <laughs> That's right. It was b- bummed crop. Uh, crop is what it was. But yeah, yeah it was—it was great. You know, and just getting ready to. Uh, you know, sell my house mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to, you know, get rid of a lot of stuff. So it's was fun, though. I enjoyed it. I'm going to go do some more stuff today. Uh, okay. You know, once you get in the groove, you're all about it, right?
2: Yeah. All what right. What was yours weekend like?
3: Uh, Something
2: great? Crazy.
3: As usual.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a lot of plants in tomorrow. So the uh, volunteers, the unpaid interns are back in town. Oh, your parents are yes. here. Oh,
3: very good. They are the best unpaid interns. They
2: wanted to come into the studio. Oh, they could have. Well, where are they going to sit?
3: Well, we, got, <laughs> we could find seats for them. I mean, that would be great. You should have them in.
2: All right. They'll come in one day. Okay. But uh, we got a pretty I love them. They're so nice. uh, busy show. If you want to work on the second guest, we have our first guest uh, calling in. And this is Mark Peck. Hi, Mark. Hey, Kenny, how you doing? We are doing great. And uh, can you just tell all the listeners your title?
4: Sure. Well, I'm the founder and CEO of Children's Dream Adventures. We're a fairly new nonprofit. We got our 501c3 just a little over a year ago. And we serve primarily children who have lost a parent, a sibling, or primary caregiver in addition to foster children. And we have different programs where we do, like, group activity trips, uh, we do some online financial literacy courses through some of our partner organizations, which can be found on our Facebook page. Uh, we just did our first family adventure trip where we send a foster family on a family vacation up to Crystal River to go swim with the manatees and stuff like that. And then we also have vocational training programs, which this is going to be our first wildland firefighter academy that we're co-hosting with the Florida Forest Service and that's going to be held September 10th through 15th at the whittler Training Center up in Brooksville. And we're looking to have about 30 kids. I think we're up to about seven or eight right now. So definitely if anybody knows any kids who have been part of the foster care system, they'll need to be between 17 and 25 years old. To be hired as a wildland firefighter, you have to be 18. So we're taking them up to as long as they turn 18 by the end of March of 2024 right before the hiring season for the summer fires out west uh, that'd be great.
2: And can you just talk a little bit more about the program so the the children or their adoptive families will contact you and then what's like the training uh, schedule like?
4: Sure um kids are going to check in on Sunday September 10th and that'll be up there with the Coochie Training Center and They'll have all the classes that they need to get their wildland firefighter certifications, which is the S130 and S190 basic firefighter classes, as well as I think it's the L183 look up, look down, look around class, and that's all the required classes that you have to have to get hired. Um, I spent about 13 years as a wildland firefighter with the U.S. Forest Service and National Park Service, and it was always it's a lot of hard work but a lot of fun. You get to see a lot of great things and. It's be a good good thing for a lot of these kids because kids in those groups with the foster aging out of the foster care system as well as losing parents or siblings they kind of are against the odds when it comes to employment and things like that
2: and they don't need any other certificates or forms of education to get into this program which would allow them to get a job correct
4: I do believe that the uh, the us Forest Service, the government agencies do require a high school diploma, but we don't for you to come in and take the class. So Okay. Do and we... everything's provided for them for free up there. They have dormitories up there, all the food's gonna be provided. They just have to get themselves there and back.
2: And where can listeners go to learn more or to register their kids?
4: Sure, you can go to our website, www.supportcda.org and that's support CDA Children's Dream Adventures. And you can go there to find the link to the sign up. And once you go there, we'll send you a confirmation letter with more information.
2: All right. Thank you so much, Mark. Oh, thank you for having us on and have a great day. Yeah, you too. We appreciate it. All right. So um Annie and I are going to be talking a little bit about gardening today and we might be talking about permaculture in a little bit, but before the show started, I told Annie that this Sunday. I love
3: this so much.
2: (laughs) This Sunday is, we all say it with us, Greg, International Armadillo Day. Let's do that
3: one more time. (laughs) International International Armadillo Armadillo Day. Day. Very
2: good. Now, Annie, tell me how many different types of armadillos there are in the world. Well, I don't know. Well, give me a guess.
3: Okay. There's going to be.
2: We uh, have the nine banded armadillo. Six.
3: 600.
2: <laughs> All How right, good that? Good guess. There's, there's <laughs> about 20 to 25 different okay. armadillos. Some of them... Are... You usually fool me with the huge numbers, <laughs> yeah. right? So I was going high. Some of them have three bands. Right. Some of them have five bands, oh. six bands, nine so bands.
3: If they, th- the bands mean that's the part that opens them up, right? So if you're saying that... I'm looking at one on the screen right now. So if you're saying it's a three-banded, so they just have the butt, the shoulders, and then the one in the <laughs>
2: middle... Yeah, the stuff in the wow. middle are the bands.
3: Okay, so, so if they just have one in there. That's that's uh, a, a tight little ball there.
2: Instead, well, well, of, well, the smallest number is three bands.
3: Okay, yeah. so that's interesting. So that means they would have the three bands in the middle. Yeah. Okay, so that give them a
2: little stretch room. Yeah, got it. <laughs> but some of them can have up to twenty four bands.
3: Oh wow, they mm. get really tight. Yeah. That must be in an area that the animals can get them easier.
2: Yeah, I and when you think about armadillos, one of their adaptations to, you know, protect themselves from predators mm-hmm. is what.
3: Uh, Well, turning into the ball. Exactly. Yeah, they just, uh, they, you know, uh, protect all their soft spots, their belly and all their, you know, soft spots. So their armor is all around them. Like, it looks like a pill bug. Um, Honestly, it looks like a giant pill bug.
2: But out of the 22 to 25 species of armadillos, Uh only two of them can... Roll into a ball. No. And our, I am so surprised. And our I that armadillo. Was the, whole thing. the nine banded armadillo, they cannot do that.
3: No. <laughs> yeah. That is so interesting. I thought that that was like the whole armadillo deal. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. you know that that was their that was their thing. Why do they have the bands if they can't do that? That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Physically,
2: well, the bands do protect them. They're um, but if
3: they just don't, if they can't turn into a ball, they just get flipped over and get the soft spots, well, right?
2: What well, that's their. Uh, Point. They don't want to get flipped over. So. Oh, my gosh. Now, some of them, like, live most of their lives under the... they would be like a sh- like a, a, a food,
3: food inside <laughs> of the shell for the animal. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, most right. of their lives they live what? Well, wow. some
2: species live underground all the time. Some species oh. live above ground. Okay. Some of them are only six inches long, full grown. And wow. then others can be, like, 100 pounds. So some of them 100. can get three foot... Wide, yeah. Oh my gosh, that but, would be
3: hard to turn into a ball with that big and pounded. <laughs> but all of those, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's hard to manipulate
2: that body. <laughs> yeah, those huge runs only have nine scissors. That's well. funny, but um. The, in the state of Florida and in the U.S., we only have the nine-banded, and then the other 20-plus species are in Central and South America. But a couple of cool things about the nine-banded armadillo is that they can actually have between seven and 11 bands, so just counting the bands isn't the greatest thing. And the nine-banded armadillo has the greatest range um, out of all the other species. You can find it in southeast America, Central America, and many countries in South America. And they can float. They're a generalist insectivore. They primarily eat beetles, adults, and the larvae, ants, and termites. And they also eat a a wide variety of other things, such as small vertebrates, fruits, worms, bird eggs, and turtle eggs. And a lot of people are offended by armadillos. They think they're pests, but they do serve a good uh, purpose because they are eating those little critters. And then, of course, larger animals eat them, so we uh, can all live in harmony. And the nine-banded armadillo, out of the 20-plus species of armadillos, the nine-banded armadillo is the only one that can get leprosy, and a lot of people are concerned about that. But the only way that you would get it is if you shared... uh, their blood with your blood. So unless you're like eating it raw or handling it and they scratch you and then they're bleeding though, you're not going to get leprosy. And uh, another cool thing about them is that the nine-banded armadillo always has identical quadruplets. So they always have four identical uh, babies and they give birth – Um, after like 120 to 130 days. So armadillos are very unique. If you go to zenarthrins.org, and that is spelled X-E-N-A-R-T-H-R-A-N-S, zenarthrins.org, you can uh, get countless free coloring sheets, word cross puzzles, uh, mazes, and those are available in Brazilian, Portuguese, Spanish, and English. There's uh, digital coloring sheets, printable worksheets, and coloring sheets. And uh, I think people should learn more about armadillos because they're just so fun and cute. And Xenarthrins is the family. What's it called again? Xenarthrins. That's an interesting word. Yeah. So that's the group of sloths, armadillos, and anteaters. Mm -hmm. And uh, this Sunday, we should all be celebrating the armadillos.
3: Now I get it because it's an anteater in there. (laughs) And Kenny loves anteaters. (laughs) And sloths. And sloths. That's right. They're all so fun looking. You know, I... I, uh, I, I'm going to tell a little story. So what happened when I was little, right? Is uh, my granddaddy lived up in Citronelle, Alabama. Granddaddy, Grandmama, and they had a little like the classic little store that you'd go in. You know, they that's how I knew about Tampa because they had to have a Tampa cigars. In, you know, in this selling, they had all the little jars with the candies and the foods, and you know the little bins. In fact, he used to weigh me on the scale that he would. Well, this kind of sounds gross now when I think about it. Uh, that he would weigh uh, cheese and meats on (laughs) you know i was cheesy and meaty i guess (laughs) but anyway uh we had uh up in up in that area apparently there's armadillos uh so in the alabama area there's an armadillo Uh, i don't recall if it rolled up or not but i want to also say it it didn't it did not
2: okay well (laughs) those ones are only found in brazil
3: that oh really they don't even do that here okay darn it (laughs) so anyway um I, they were all hunters, and I just wanted to be part of the group. And so one of my brothers shot it, shot it, and killed it. Horrible. Now for
2: for thousands of years, people have been eating armadillos, making them into purses. uh, I've seen purses, purses. instruments, boots.
3: Yeah, I've totally seen the the purses.
2: There's a very long tradition with. uh,
3: But I was devastated. I just wanted to say, you know, just to just to say who I am and what that did to me even as a child is that I was devastated even though I know they hunt and you know blah blah blah, because I mean they weren't going to eat it come on they didn't eat it um and uh I it's further cemented my belief that you know people react so quickly to do things so violently and it made me realize that that is not the way to go when I was seven years old Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so that's my story. I'm sticking to
2: it. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. You are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today, we are talking a little bit about armadillos, but mostly we're going to be talking about gardening in August. Give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at and we will read it on air. And we have uh, Susan on line one. Hello, Susan from Tampa. Hi,
3: Susan. Hi. What you got to talk about today?
5: Well, you're talking about armadillos. So yes. I just thought I would bring this up. Um, uh, probably 20, 30 years ago, I got a pin from an organization with the acronym FLORIDA. And what it is, is the Florida League Organized for the reputation improvement of the Distinguished Armadillo. Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) I wondered if you had ever heard of No. Does it still exist? I I have no idea, but when I heard you talking about armadillos, I I still have my little armadillo pen. That is so fantastic.
3: Tell me that again, because I'm going to look it up. Florida. Okay, what does it stand
5: for? League. Florida League Organized for the Reputation improvement of the distinguished armadilla for the improvements of the uh the reputation oh, for the reputation <laughs> improvement of the distinguished armadilla. <laughs> i love that
3: so much <laughs>
5: so,
3: that sounds like an, can, a movie you know that would be uh, uh, semi-magical and semi-cartoonish doesn't it <laughs>
5: It does. And, you know, I actually have the little earrings that had little turquoise, too, that went with (laughs) them. It's
3: great. Okay, I want to read this back. So, Florida League organized uh, for the reputation of the distinguished armadillo, right? Thank you.
5: Reputation improvement. Don't forget improvement. That goes with the I. Okay. (laughs) Thank (laughs) Thank you you so much. We're going to look into that.
2: I love that. Um, I did... I don't know about Florida's uh, relationship with the armadillos, but the nine-banded armadillo was first reported in the U.S. in 1849 and became the official state small mammal of Texas in 1995. The reason given um, in the House concurrent resolution was that the armadillos are a hardy, pioneering creature that choose to begin migrating here at about the same time that Texas became a state. And it possesses many remarkable and unique traits, some of which parallel the attributes that distinguish a true Texan. That sounds right. Such as a deep respect and need for the land and the ability to change and adapt and a fierce underlying love for freedom, and the inability to roll up in a ball. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so let me uh, let me ask you this: You just said they didn't. They recorded it in 1949, a-
2: 1849. A- oh,
3: 1849. Sorry, I missed that part. So that I wonder if that's just when they started recording stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe it was already here, and they just started noticing it more. But it, did it did it originate here? Or did it come from, say, Mexico?
2: Good question. There's a long story. Do you know it? <laughs> I know a little bit of okay. it. Okay. We pretty much killed and ate all of the armadillos. Oh. And then, but they're they so widespread. They must be tasty for people that eat that sort of stuff, Yeah, right? they're widespread though. So then um, they started like repopulating them, mm. but they started- oh, like intentionally. Yeah, but they started in like the tip of Florida, like Miami. Oh. And then they also started back in like Texas. And then those two just- dis- Dis, uh, disassociated yeah, areas. Populations like merge. So now oh. we have them all over the So we southeast. have a
3: Tex-Florida <laughs> armadillo blend.
2: Yes, That's exactly. cool.
3: That's cool. I didn't know this. This is great. I love, you know, that's one of the things I love about this show so much is that uh, I learned something new. Every show we have. I mean, not just one thing, a whole lot of things. And I know that if I do, y'all are too. So, you know, we love it when y'all interact with us uh, too. So anything that y'all want to talk about, go ahead and give us a call at 813-239-9663. Or you can email us at DJ at w n. Oh God that's easy for me to say. DJ at wmnf.org on the and we'll read it on the air.
2: And we really want to be talking about gardening yeah. and or armadillos.
3: I got to say, you know, we were going to have a person on today that was going to be talking about permaculture and this is only our second time to not have a uh, have a no show in our whole time of having But guess that, what?
2: We can talk about permaculture. Oh, absolutely. We can.
3: (laughs) And I don't know if you guys know this about permaculture, but, you know, that that was started, uh, you know, that word was coined in the early, mid-1970s. And that that was, uh, what was that guy's name? He was, mm -mm 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 -mm, I thought I wrote it down. But anyway, he's the guy from Australia that uh, that started that up. And in fact, I I bought both of his books: uh, Permaculture One and Permaculture Two. That are ancient books, but they are still so great. And what that means is basically, is that uh, it is um, permaculture means permanent agriculture, and so it means to plant in place things that are going to work uh, all the time. So, okay, here it is. Bill Mollison, that's who I was trying to think of. And David Holmgren, uh, but Bill Mollison is the name that I remember. And uh, so I think they just, you know, got together and then really started doing a lot of teaching. And they were beginning the whole thought process about not having, um, agriculture that changed on a regular basis. So, you know, it was all about planting trees. It was about having, uh, in the right places. It was about using the water that's there to, uh, they would, they would, uh, do like little ditches to move the water to the trees. And then they would also do, you know, fish agriculture, uh, or Fisher culture, whatever that would be called. <laughs> Aquaculture? <laughs> Aquaculture. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. And then, you know, and then have their farm animals. But you would lay it out in such a map. Uh, when you're doing, because I'm a garden designer, you know, and so design is really important to me in in the function of everything and the beauty of everything. So they would lay it out in a certain way that these things would be giving them something to each, each one of the plants. It would be helping the other plant and it would be producing uh, food for the year in, in sequence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's something that I don't think a lot of people think about is that if you plant a lot of fruit trees and such like that, you're going to get a series mm. of of food. I mean, right now yeah. I have two racks of bananas on two different <laughs> banana areas. Yep. And so it's funny because you know I only I only notice it when I see a red petal yeah. on the ground and I go, oh, that's a flower mm-hmm. petal from my banana tree, and I look up and there it is.
2: So I have awesome. about. Probably like 18 banana plants yeah, going on right now. That's great. And I noticed one of them tipped over. Oh. So then I went over. It had bananas it on it. And it had a huge rack, like maybe 40 bananas, 50 bananas. Oh, so I wow, cut that's them fabulous. off. And they're, they're, Were they know, ripening? They're definitely ripe, but they're. Not quite. They're smoothed out. You know how, like, before they're right. ready, they're kind of triangular. Well, there's
3: a ridge to the edges. Yeah. Y'all. So now
2: they're soft, not soft, but rounded. rounded. And they're uh-huh. all green. So they're. Uh,
3: I'll call that plumped up. Yeah,
2: they're ripening on my back porch and then oh, cool. I, so I harvested those this weekend and I have also harvested a pineapple this week. That's weekend.
3: wonderful. Yeah, and see that's the thing, it's like pineapples take a really long time to to flower and uh you know, turn into a pineapple. I mean a couple of years at least usually. Yeah, about
2: eighteen months. Yeah. Like the fastest. I-
3: and I have some that have been in there for years that, you know, I have a white pineapple that I've still have not gotten a flower from it. And it's been years. But but the thing is, is that, you know, I know it's going to, and it's pretty. You know, it's in the ground. It's in an area that looks beautiful. It's it's. I use it as decorative. Everything I use is decorative, but it functions at the same time.
2: Now, one of the former hosts of this show, Tanya Vidovic. Yes. I know she- um... Now that I know how to spell her or pronounce her <laughs> name. I know she used to maybe go to like a place that would sell smoothies or something. Okay. And she would ask for all the pineapple tops. Oh, right. And then she would just kind of throw them in her yard. Right. And then she literally had 300 pineapple plants growing. And
3: she had it in a designated spot. Like there was one place that she put all the, because they're sharp, y'all. Those pineapple leaves have ridges on the edges and they are very sharp. So you don't want them like in an area you're going to be brushing by. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, that's cool. Yeah, you can get those from a lot of stores, uh, you know, like grocery stores that, that do smoothies or any of those smoothie places.
2: They will happily give you those, uh, yes. those tops. And you know, I love to go to the Florida State Boy, Fair in minute. February. Is it's going
3: to be about pineapple? Yeah. Still? Okay. And I was going to say,
2: say when you, they sell like fresh pineapple juice. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so good. And they have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of what? pineapple tops in boxes behind the...
3: Right, you grab a box.
2: Yeah, and you're like, can I have your garbage?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then... After they look at you quizzically.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the University of Florida, IFIS. Uh, which is the Institute for Food and Agriculture Sciences, they say that August, which is now, is a great time for Central Florida, which is us, to be transplanting pineapples. Oh. So do you want to talk about how you get yes. the head to that's the... Yes, that's
3: exactly what I wanted to talk about, Kenny. You're so perspective. I can.
2: Perceptive.
3: Yes. You read can. your mind. You, you can. We're so in tune. It's <laughs> wonderful. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, when you get a pineapple, well, first off, when I let, I let my pineapple ripen on the stem, on the plant, all the way through till I smell the perfume from feet away. And the way I get that done is I make a cage around the fruit out of moldable chicken wire. I've also seen people, they get, them, uh, they get these like mesh garbage uh, cans from the dollar store and they, you know, cut a hole in the top and put it over the thing. And they also have some sort of, there's a, a metal, um, I think it's a gutter, Cover or something like that that you can put over it. But I use the moldable chicken wire because I, I use it for everything and I just love it. And so you just put it over the fruit and then no critters can get in so you can have it ripen all the way through. Now, I know this may be controversy, but it's the truth because it is science that as soon as you take that pineapple off, so if it's green, okay, and you take that pineapple off and you go, oh, I'm going to let it ripen inside. Well, it, the sugar. Uh, is from this plant is no longer connected so it's not going to sweeten up y'all it is going to stay as sweet as what it is right at that moment it will color up it will turn more yellow and it will soften but it will not sweeten no matter what so if you let it sweeten on the thing I got to tell you, when I get it inside my house, when I mine are so right, because I love them real sweet like that, if you manipulate the top a little bit, you take, you twist the top off because you're going to use the top to plant, and then you pull open you, each one of those little buds, one of those little eyes, which is, is actually a berry. Y'all, you know, it's what it is. It's really a berry. You can just twist off one of those little things, and it's one piece of bite-sized deliciousness. So you don't even have to peel it or slice it or anything. And even the cool, is delicious at that point. So, but to, to that's my, my rant, but, <laughs> that, but then to go to how to plant it. I don't do water sprouts on anything uh, unless it's hard pressed to do that. Uh, because in fact, you ha- your plant's going to have to create roots for soil. So in my world, uh, it and I've read this before, but I can't quote where I read it from. But it uh, it takes then twice the energy from the plant to be able to do that. So you know, I just peel off the bottom things. I let it sit for a little while to dry out, to callus over. Peel off the bottom pieces, and a lot of times you can see little roots started right at the at the core where the leaves get pulled. And then I stick it in dirt now. That would just fall over. So I take bamboo skewers, the kind that you would make like little, uh, you know, kebabs or whatever, and I, I put them in like four ways in the ground around it to hold it upright. And so then it doesn't toss over. And then it has, because it takes a quite a while for it to grow roots. So that's what I do, and I have a ton of them, and it works great. Very there, so there it got, is. All right. So is that what you do?
2: Yep. Okay, I, cool. I mean, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so easy. And then it's permaculture because they just keep producing off the top. and then permanent you permanent agriculture. Yeah, and then you get the new top and you just keep multiplying a little. And a
3: lot of times on that original plant, you'll get new uh, babies, little keikis, Hawaiian, yeah. uh, on the sides. And then those usually uh, bloom up faster. So you can even get them, you can stay on there and you'll get smaller pineapples, but you can take those off and then replant them and you get a bigger
2: one. So that's, for, uh, that's from the UF IFIS. They're saying that we can transplant carefully pineapples in Central and South Florida right now. Now we do have a message about... Larry in Lakeland, he says, "I believe an armadillo ate the yellow jacket nest that was in my yard. Oh, wow. there was a hole with yellow jackets that stung me before. I knew they were there. I avoided the area for several months. then I noticed an armadillo burrow in the area, and <gasps> the yellow jackets were gone. I love that armadillo that... and
3: go ahead
2: and uh yellow jackets they're they're related to ants and Armadillos are known to eat all those types of insects.
3: That is so cool. I bet it ate all the larvae, the babies, mm-hmm. because those are juicy, delicious bites. And uh, and then it, then it no longer could produce, and maybe even irritated him so much they went somewhere else. Yep, that is super cool. I, I believe that probably did happen. I mean, not that, to doubt that his story, yeah. but you know what I mean. I think that. That that sounds very reasonable.
2: Especially if they're in the ground or near the ground. Sure. That's what they're doing.
3: Yeah. And it's interesting, though, when you talk about this stuff, this is how the world works. This is how the nature works. There is something for the other thing. Everything is like that. Like, if you take one thing away then you're going to disrupt that full circle of how it, it fits together. Like, you know, if you use pesticides, you're going to kill all the predatory bugs, so you're going to get a lot more of the pest uh, insects later now, on.
2: Now, in a couple of months, if you go to zanarthrins.org, which I mentioned earlier, you can get uh, coloring sheets and activities oh. sheets to celebrate armadillos this Sunday. <laughs> but in a couple of months, when you go to that website, there's going to be this beautiful interactive map oh. of all... I think 19 countries in Central and South America. You click on the country, and then it's going to tell you what armadillo, sloth, and anteater species are there. Oh. And then it's going to tell you the threats that they face, You know their oh. conservation status, blah, 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 I shouldn't say blah, 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 because I'm making it, et cetera, et cetera. It's very, <laughs> it's very high quality. But a, a really big thing about uh, their threats
3: yeah.
2: is pesticide use. That because is that, Because that's what they're eating. They're so, eating the... Okay. Poison bugs. So
3: what now? Now that brings another point. So people think that they're just killing the insects, and then then they have no done. more pests. Yeah. Right. but here's the deal, y'all. One of the things that you know, bird. Well, mostly what birds eat are you know seeds and stuff like that. But they eat insects, and so if they're they're getting poisoned insects that maybe or maybe have died or not died yet, but they're still ingesting it, then they are going to take. They're going to eat that. Make, make themselves sick and or kill their young by taking it to the house. It's the same thing as like rodicide, uh, rodenticide. I think is actually the way it's pronounced. And so if, you know, if you're killing, trying to kill rats, which you should never put poison out for rats ever, uh, because what happens is the predatory animals then eat the sick rats and they die. And and that it happened over, you know, right in our face uh, for the ones that were over in Safety Harbor. And they uh, were nesting owls that came back every year for eight years. And they had babies every year for eight years. And then what happened is all the rodenticide, rodenticide, again, uh, was, uh, you know, eaten up by them. They were eating up the rodents that were around the restaurants and such, and they died, all of them, the babies, the the adults, everything. Yes. So not, not a good thing. Do not ever use rat poison. Use, I mean, it's not great, but use traps. But you know what I've used in the in the past, just to say, is I've used those electronic kind that just a battery powered. It looks like a little bitty mailbox, and it has a metal interior. And you put you put um, uh, you put uh, uh, peanut butter or something like that in there, and they go in and they're immediately electrocuted. So it is really the most humane way to uh, eradicate uh, those type of uh, pest ins- or pest animals if you consider them pests.
2: All right. We are the Sustainable Living Show. Yes, we are. (laughs) And you are listening to WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today we're talking about armadillos, pineapples, and permaculture. (laughs) And uh, if you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at WMNF. And we will read it on air. now. Quite
3: honestly, we're talking about anything you want to talk about. So if you call in and you have a question or
2: a, a thought or anything like that, we're on it. Now, CP in Palmetto, Florida says well, he didn't say this, but I'm going to imply, we're inspiring him and he's cutting up a, his pineapple right now. Right on. He sent us some beautiful photos of oh, his pineapple and he said that it only took 18 months, which is, there it is. pretty much like as fast what as you, you were can, saying. as long as the winter temperatures, just right. kind of the same as like the bananas.
3: Well, and that's a, that's another good point. It's like, okay, I have bananas on one side of the house. and I have bananas on the other side of the house. Well, I have Actually, three patches. But the one on the outside, the side of the house between another bigger house uh, is more protected. And uh, the bananas that were into the time of winter were protected so they didn't, you know, weren't affected by the the winter. And so then I had uh, great bananas. But the other side... Was affected by the cold. So these real tropical plant materials really need to be in a place that's a little bit protected. So that's a good way to think about it.
2: When this uh, weekend, I went over to my neighbor's house, Demi, and she has a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful permaculture style oh. landscape. She also has lots of butterfly and pollinator oh, plants. Oh,
3: I love but Demi. But she already. has,
2: I think she, these two, uh, they're kind of like the Florida type avocados. Oh, those I, waterier kind yeah, with the green skin? I, th- yeah. I think they're um, like seed grown, but mm-hmm. they're like 20 years old, and they just started producing a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know she told me this number. Um, I think it was last year she was able to get 125 fruits off of one tree. That's amazing. But previous years it was like two fruits or three fruits, you know, as oh. they were as they were getting older.
3: Oh, wow, what a job. Yeah, it right? took a while.
2: So we have an email, and then so this weekend uh, I went over to her house And I looked up and I couldn't believe- there's probably at least another hundred you know, this year.
3: So, I, a friend of mine gave me an avocado. You'll say somebody gave them to her. That's the beauty about people that grow things. We're always giving stuff yes. to each other. And so anyway, she, I didn't want to take too many. She says, it's a big seed, but it's really <laughs> good. So I took it home and yeah, it was like most of the thing was a seed, right? <laughs>
2: you you should have took more.
3: But I should have. But, I, but anyway, I sliced it up and put it in with some beans and tomatoes. And I went out and picked some herbs, some basil and some uh, flat leaf parsley, put in some oil and vinegar. And, and I toasted a piece of sourdough bread and chopped it up in there. It was
2: delicious. <laughs> All right, we got another uh, text message, and this is from Pete, and he says, we have about a half a dozen avocado trees on an abandoned golf course in oh, my wow. neighborhood in Seminole, and some years they produce and some years they don't. Do these trees interact with each other to promote growth of these delicious small-sized avocados? And the answer to that is that avocados can self-pollinate but they do fruit better if they cross-pollinate with another tree.
3: There's like a considered an A and a B. Exactly. And a long time ago, you had to have both of those, but now eh, it's iffy. But a long t- like, I don't know, 25 years ago, I was looking it up for a client, that, you know, because she wanted avocados. And and if you had one in the neighborhood, yeah, right? Yeah, it
2: doesn't have to be very right next to exactly.
3: it. Exactly. But still, it's one of those sketchy situations. But to
2: kind of go back to... Pete's uh, question yeah. um, or you know statement about some years they produce a lot, some years they don't. I think that's a natural cycle that's I that I witnessed from my neighbors' avocado trees. You know, some years the temperatures right, the water quality, right. the uh, rainfall is right, right, and then they're like, "All right, here, here it is, here it is," and then maybe the following year they they need a recovery period well that's just
3: what i was going to say is it probably just takes a lot out of the tree to be able to do something like that that makes sense to me that would take a lot out of me to produce 150 avocados <laughs> right if i could i would uh, but then you know you have to you have to have a period of
2: recovery so, yeah.
3: yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me.
2: All right. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your yeah, emails. Yeah, those are great. Now, for Central Florida, which is where we are, UFI Extension also recommends easy-to-transplant uh, right now eggplant, dive. Oh, that's so good. Peppers. I just did that yesterday. Sugar cane, tomatoes, and tropical spinaches. Now, oh, tropical spinaches, God. you can throw them in the ground and they just...
3: Oh, I, I have every one of them, <laughs> yeah. right? And I don't do a darn thing. Except one of them, I gotta say, my Siso spinach in one area gets mealy bugs. And so when it does, I just cut them off to the ground, clean up the area, and let it start over because it's not that precious. I think we, we are a little, we act a little too much with being precious with plant materials. You know, a lot of people like want a baby, baby, baby. And if it's not producing, it's out or I let it start over. And it really works out better because then I'm not spending all that energy and time mm-hmm. on things that
2: require so much work. So uh, UFI just like one of those things. So you just talked about that, but I want to yeah. talk about tomatoes. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. So, that's the big one. Everybody wants to grow.
2: Yeah. So I seeded them on July 4th. I think I mentioned that yes, last in week. the greenhouse. Right. And then, you know, after 10 days, they're an inch high. After now, his
3: greenhouse is aerated. So neat. I want to say it's yeah. not like a, a, if you have a greenhouse, it's just a it's a hot box. It'll
2: kill everything because it's burning yeah. it up. My door is open and the four vents are open. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, so after about 14 days, there were two to three inches. And then I started taking them out mm-hmm. to get some air and to- <laughs>
3: taking it for a walk around yeah. the block,
2: <laughs> and uh, you know to harden off because sure. in the greenhouse it's too tender. it's pretty stagnant, yeah. and yeah. they're like, "Wow, this is a pretty easy life. Right. We're just going to grow as high as possible." And then as soon as you take them out, a little gentle wind,
3: right, they, they fall flop over. over. That's right. And
2: uh, actually,
3: <laughs> where did callus about. I think this bit? might
2: have been two weeks ago when we were here at the radio station. I took my little baby tomato plant, yeah, my seedlings oh, yeah. out, and then I. Came were afraid to rain, right? They were pulverized yeah. by the rain. So yeah. then they went back in the... So I really dried them up. They went back in the greenhouse, but then... <laughs> in, the, um,
3: in the recovery room.
2: I, in the recovery. <laughs> but then I consulted uh, with my good neighbor, Demi, Uh-huh. And uh, I said, I could bury these all the way up Absolutely. to the leaves, but like right out into the raised bed. Uh-huh. And she's like, yeah, so that's what I did. That's maybe what I like 10 too. years ago. Yeah. And because that whole stem starts producing roots. And if
3: y'all didn't know that, that's one of the few things that do that. Most things you can only bring, you can only put dirt right where the root flare is, which is where the bottom of the stem connects to the roots. Otherwise it'll smother. However, tomatoes are not in that category. So it's better to do what you just said. Plant it all the way up to uh, about, what, about half an inch from the the leaves? Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. We got lots of, Lots of uh, interactions, but first we'll we'll take a phone call from uh, Jan in Gulfport.
3: Hi, Jan. How's it going? I'm doing okay.
5: Oh, Uh, good.
0: I just wanted to say something about avocados. Super. I think people uh, down here, they don't even know that avocados grow here. I run into them in the store all the time, they Uh tell me. And they're buying a horse, of course. And I say, why don't you try the Florida? We don't like them. And uh, They don't they like don't the Florida uh, avocados? Yeah. Yeah. No, they don't like the Florida avocados. Yeah. And uh, I just think that it's really a shame that in the 90s, the Great Fat Scare, I, there were hundreds of avocado trees in my neighborhood. Uh-huh. And all these people that aren't from here move here, and they cut them all down. And I say, why are you cutting? Oh, they're fatty. We don't eat them, and they're messy.
3: Right, messy. You know? That's a word I hear a lot.
0: Yeah, and so now I have to buy avocados in the store and yep. my tree bears, and it really makes me mad. <laughs> I have my friends, we go around, we look. I used to be able to walk my dog with a sack right. over my shoulder through yeah. the alleys. <laughs> yeah. And I would come home with, you know, two dozen avocados yeah. just laying on the ground in the alley. Yeah. And uh, no more. But the thing that I really wanted to mention is about the pollinators. Yes. Avocados get pollinated. There was one tree in my neighborhood that an, uh, an older couple had. They had this tree for years they were gardeners they had all kinds of they had a whole uh, lot devoted to gardening and oh that's finally, so wonderful yeah they finally moved away uh, they were very old um and whoever was there came in and but before they cut down that avocado tree one year, I talked to the old gent, and he said, well, it hasn't bared this year. It's unusual. Oh. And I said, I know why, because there was a bee tree about a half a block away with a huge bee colony in it. And the city finally came and cut down that bee tree. Oh, my goodness. And there were no more uh, bees to pollinate his avocado tree.
3: That is so interesting because we were just talking about when you remove one factor from that circle, then it changes everything. Oh, it does. Yeah.
0: One factor. I worry about them trying to eliminate the mosquitoes. Oh, I do too. I do too
3: I do too well, especially because it's spraying you know it's not it's not you know just treating the mosquito it's treating a lot of things, and so that's why I do worry about that too, because people are so freaked out you know about the four cases of malaria that we've had in in uh, Florida uh, and they want to just eliminate all insects it's it's
0: That's okay. Down in Lakewood Ranch a few years ago, the people that moved there—they went to the wildlife, you know, FWC, and they asked them, "Can you please remove all of the alligators in our? Um,
3: (laughs) We don't like them. Please get rid of them now."
0: (laughs) (laughs) They were told, "Well, that's kind of impossible, (laughs) ma'am." Right? They
3: they were here first.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I grew up here, and uh, you know, I'm like a third-generation person here, and it's just really... Really appalls me what's going on. Right well,
3: but, yeah, it's the way it is. We just have to deal with it, right? We do so our part. Right. We do our part. That's all we can do is I our know. part. I think that Mother Nature
0: has, every time we go and invent something new, it's <laughs> like, look what we can do. Yeah. And I always look at it and say, gee, hey, nature was doing that before you destroyed it and right. now have to put it back that's
3: right know? it's a very honest uh reasoning it really is well thank yes. you so much for calling we yes. really
2: appreciate you thank
3: thanks thank, thank you. you
2: jan all right now uh, we had pete but now we have peter from largo and he says i've had this store variety of uh, avocado um a wurtz avocado G, for over a decade every year it has a lot of fruit but Every year, almost half of it falls off. The most fruit that uh, he's been able to harvest is about six. Mm -hmm. Any ideas why it drops the fruit?
3: Well, uh, from what uh, my experience is with professionals in this field is they just say that the fruit, uh, the tree only can handle so much and it will drop what it can't handle. So, you know, there may be reasons. I mean, there could be like if you're putting mulch on top of uh, tree roots, uh, all tree roots are seeking oxygen from the top. So if you are smothering that, then that will, uh, or put dirt on it even, even worse, is that will smother the tree. it doesn't have enough oxygen. So if you're doing that, make sure that you're seeing the root flare and the root tops uh, on the top and you're not covering those up. That's a thing. And and
2: avocados can live for like decades and even hundreds of years. So I know... You know, you've, you've invested 10 years. That t- that's a very short period of time. But it's a young plant right. or it's a young tree. Right. and um, 10 years sounds like a lot to us, but it's, it's not in reality. Yeah, so yeah. like I was saying, my neighbor's seed grown, which is probably, you probably have a, because if it's a cultivar, it's probably a grafted, a grafted one. Probably. Um, yeah, you are going to get fruit earlier, but, you know, in the beginning, it's just fig- kind of figuring it out. And for some reasons that the fruit could drop is that, The temperature. Yes. If we had, you know, if it's too cold for too long, too hot for too long, the weather pattern.
3: And remember, we had uh, a huge long drought. Yeah. The drought could have easily affected that because we had a very long drought this year. And if you weren't watering your tree uh, during that that drought, I'm sure that that
2: could have done it. So I was just going to say water, heat stress could be. Yeah, yeah. Some uh, reasons why. Yeah. All right. And then we got. Uh, and great, whoever the other guy that dropped off,
3: please call back. We'll get to you. I promise.
2: Uh, what are you talking up?
3: There was somebody that dropped <laughs> off the phone. I thought. All right. Okay. And then I, I would... could be wrong, as usual.
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's making up calls. Right. She wants you to. I g- want you to call. call in.
3: Hey, call us in. We, it's we 813 we
2: have <laughs> We have emails to get through, okay, and Let's go. All right. Uh, <laughs> this person says, "Hi, I'm enjoying your show this morning. Good. I have recently discovered that purslane is a healthy oh, edible yeah. that farmers think is a weed. So great. Do you all eat it?
3: Oh, heck yeah! I got a, all ton of it in my
2: garden so I have raised beds like beautiful uh cow trough watering things that I turn into raised beds those
3: nice big metal ones and I
2: purposefully plant purslane, which is kind of like a weed in there so I can eat them it's delicious now you can stir fry it y'all
3: I eat it raw a lot I was just gonna say okay go ahead
2: (laughs) I don't want to steal your thunder go ahead well we we're thinking alike so I also eat it raw it's kind of salty yeah it is but you can just take a bunch of little leaves and throw it in. I like the salt. Throw it in. Yeah. And then you can also
3: sauté it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and it's a different flavor to add to other parts that you're sautéing. So like you said, it has a little salty flavor. So it's something, you know, like if you can't eat salt much, which I'm not supposed to, but I, I use a little finishing salt
2: on top because it's crunchy and I like it. But that'll help you with getting your salty flavor. And... uh Yeah, they're definitely good for you. They're rich in omega-3 fatty acids. But um, I also know that at some farmer's markets, people are literally selling bundles of them.
3: Oh, really? I you didn't know, know that. That's as, interesting. As, a, as, a, as an a,
2: edible purchase. Yes. You know,
3: I want to do say, though, that a lot of people get it very confused with the uh, portulaca. And the portulaca looks like that, which is the sun rose, which has the flower, which is a thing that you buy for decoration. Although, I got to say, it's no good at night because the flowers close up. So if you're buying it for a night party, you're out of luck. <laughs> so the, it's the same
2: genus, but different species. Correct. And
3: it's not edible. And, so, and then there's also another wild one that's called Kiss Me Quick, which is... Uh, uh, it has a more of a pointy leaf. And the edible purslane that we're talking, and that's not, a, well, you could eat it, but it's not really tasty. But then the one we're talking about has a, a paddle-shaped leaf. A little like little,
2: succulent. Yeah, it's
3: thick. a succulent with a little paddle-shaped leaf. And it has a tiny, tiny yellow flower on it. So mm-hmm. that's the one that you want. You know, the other one's okay, but it's not really the desirable. Do we have some of Yep,
2: Yeah, I have it. so okay. we- we have uh, Milton from Milton. Sarasota.
3: How you doing?
2: I'm good, thanks. I'm
1: really good. Go you know, thank you for your show. You're welcome. I have to ask you that I just caught like the last half hour, but I I had two make sure. Um,
3: avocado um, trees.
1: Avocado trees, yeah. Mm. One like a Haas brand, and one the bigger brand. Uh-huh. The bigger. Okay. For like, and we got fruit off of them for like 20 years. I mean, a lot. Right. Some years we got a couple hundred avocado. They were really large, mature trees. Fantastic. So one season they just died. Oh. They started dropping their leaves, and you could see it didn't look well. It looked sick. Mm hmm. And they died. Well, they just died, like for no reason. Uh, well, there live. was a
3: reason. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you know, yeah. well, the unfortunate part is, is that most people that don't know about plant materials or trees or anything like that, they it's too late when they start to notice the decline. It's usually declined to the point of no return. So that's what's very important about paying attention to your plant materials, your trees included, I'm talking about, uh, closely. Because then when you see something that's a little off, you start looking, always look under the leaves, always look at the stems, look at the roots, look at the bark, all that stuff It should be looked at regularly. And then you can figure out what the problem is and do something about it. Because... Yeah, there, there's uh, diseases, there's specific bugs, there's specific diseases, but they have to be treated. So, sorry.
1: I'm very sorry yeah, that you if, lost your trees. No bugs, nothing obvious. I mean, I'm well, obvious. Look, look really closely at it. Yeah. No, like, funguses or mm-hmm. Did
3: you have a drought around that same time?
1: <laughs> I Did, don't remember. Well, no, but it's right by a pond. It's right by... Oh. Um, Oh, okay. So, there must have been groundwater there,
3: right? And, and did uh, is it a, your pond, or was it uh, a pond that belonged to somebody else?
1: No, it was um, myself and my neighbor. Oh, okay. Talking?
3: So they didn't treat it with any kind of herbicides. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know what? We're really close to the end of the show. But I'm thank you for so calling. So sad you that you lost it. All right.
1: Thank you, guys.
2: Appreciate your call. Uh, and and like for it anybody it. else who has like a. Disease tree, or a sick tree, or a dead tree. You could always take photos, right, and send it to your uh, extension office. And you
3: can make cuttings, take with you. That's yeah. probably a good
2: idea. But I'm saying you can get the disease or like the reason why it's dying. Correct. You could pretty
3: get much diagnose exactly. Yes, and then you can treat it, and that's really important because we don't. A lot of people. I was online in uh, in some of these gardening groups, and somebody says, "Well, always use your extension office." And all these people went, "What's an extension office?" Yeah, and that is. A local for every county uh, has a thing that's called an extension office, and it's helping you all about your exterior your plant materials, everything. And so you just contact them; they do soil testing, they do uh, diagnoses, and a lot of things. They've, they're they wonderful, and they have they have classes about all these too. So ch- use them.
2: Yes. All right. Uh, Steve from Lake Wales says, Annie, please repeat your methods for protecting pineapples. From predators, I didn't understand your explanation. Okay, so
3: you take, you get moldable chicken wire, which right. is from so the chicken big Buster wire. store. Chicken wire, Got not it. all of it, it's moldable. Now you want to get the soft stuff, moldable chicken it's wire. It's like
2: wire, not the plastic coated. No, one.
3: not plastic coated, it's wire, but it's softer. And then you just cut it into a square that's uh, larger than the top and the bottom, and then you wrap oh. it around it and you crimp it together so nothing can get in it.
2: And you're covering the fruit or the, 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 fruit. the bromeliad? plant and the fruit
3: I know I just cover the fruit yeah I don't even cover the green part yeah I just cover the fruit that's going to be the part that they want to eat and you make the- and far enough away that they can't reach in <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> and you make it big you wait for the fruit to get full size or you like are protecting oh, the little I do baby it, I fruit. do it
3: pretty quickly but I do it I make it big enough that it's going to uh, encompass a full-grown fruit so that's what you think in advance, maybe what you want that fruit to be, and it will. I don't know,
2: maybe that works out that way, <laughs> you project. <laughs> well, we people know how big a pineapple usually is. Some gets. of them,
3: yeah. Some of them are really little, but yeah, I, I make it lots bigger than what it starts out to be. But yeah, they'll, they'll start eating it even early, early. So, you you know, do something fast.
2: Yes, very so, good. Good, I hope all it right. helps. Well, we appreciate everyone who this participated fun, in our show. We should
3: have more people not show up. I, I don't mean <laughs> to say that out loud, but really, this was fun. But you
2: did. I enjoyed it. Thank <laughs> you, Irene, for and taking all of our... Uh, listeners calls yes. and thank you, Greg, for working the yes, board. Thank you,
3: Greg. It was wonderful.
2: If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please consider going to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF Community Speaks with Mobili. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, where we will be talking with uh, Gavin Naylor, about sharks and sawfish. going to be he, interesting. He is the Florida expert That's on so great. sharks and sawfish. And we all know what a sawfish looks like.
3: Right. He has that long snout with the things I remember
2: from cartoons. And, and they can get over <laughs> 20 feet long, which is kind of amazing.
3: Okay. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF to stay in the loop. I'm Annie Ellis.
2: And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. And this is WMNF Tampa. Bye-bye.